0: Hello my friends, this is Bishop Campbell, welcome you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. This coming Sunday, we celebrate the great solemnity of Pentecost, the third most important celebration within our church's calendar. And on that occasion, we celebrate both an end and a beginning. And I want to speak a little about that uh, interesting fact, because a lot of people think of Pentecost only in terms of a single scriptural event, the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. And in fact, when most people remember that dramatic uh, event, they frequently focus on the extraordinary aspects of that event, And in fact, don't read on uh, enough to understand what Pentecost produced as well as what happened on that occasion. Pentecost is the completion of the mission of Jesus in our historical world. In his words and in his deeds... He accomplished the task to which his Heavenly Father had sent him into human flesh and human reality and accomplished that mission particularly and irrevocably in the Paschal Mystery, the suffering, dying, and resurrection. And in completing that mission by the sending out of the Holy Spirit, Our Lord Jesus, in a sense, not only completed the mission, but made it a mission for all time and all place until his second coming. He took on our human fleshly reality, and he took it on, and by his power, by his preaching, by his messaging, is now drawing it into heaven with him. And in his departure in the ascension, he did not abandon human life, but he allowed himself to transform, uh, transcend all the limitations of any time and any place in order to be present always and everywhere for all eternity. Now, I say it is an end. It is an end to this, uh, the historical mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is an end to our Easter celebration. And it is, in fact, the initiation, and I should say the continuation of what is now called ordinary time. But it has also a beginning. Because you remember that our Lord, as he was ascending into heaven, entrusted his mission to his body now, the church, giving that great command to go out throughout the whole world proclaiming the gospel and baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And remember, our Lord said to them, I am with you always until the end of all ages. So the mission continues but it is now through his body on earth and every place and every time, which is the church. And we look at the example of the apostles and how they acted immediately after the descent of the Spirit upon them. It was certainly dramatic, the great wind, the shaking walls, the descent of the Spirit in the form of tongues of fire. But you may notice that after this experience, the apostles did not stay in the upper room, form a kind of support group, and share their experiences of how it felt to be struck by the fire of the Spirit. They immediately ran into the streets of Jerusalem and to proclaim the power of the name of Jesus Christ. In fact, I think part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which meant not only speaking in ways that other people can understand and uh, having the courage to proclaim the message boldly, it was also a profound gift of understanding what is needed to be done, how we are to move, how as we await the second coming we are to fulfill our responsibilities here on earth. And in fact, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are gifts that are still showered upon the the body of Christ, the Church, and upon all members within it. It is a gift to the Spirit that gives us courage to live the life of Christ and to proclaim it. And it also is the gift of the power to speak about it, to draw other people to a deeper understanding. And I think we have to remember when, in fact, we may be attracted to the uh, extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit, the healings, the speaking in tongues and whatnot, that the first gift of the Holy Spirit given to us, both in baptism and in confirmation, is the gift to recognize the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ present among us. And in fact, wasn't this exemplified in that account of the healing of the lame beggar on the part of Peter and John? And you may notice that Peter and John, as part of that healing, did so through the name and power of Jesus Christ. They were agents of that power flowing through them. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit, given to the apostles and then to the church, are gifts that allow us to recognize Christ present in His Word and in His sacraments, and allow that presence to be known and to be proclaimed. And to understand, as St. Peter proclaimed to the judges that had arrested him, There is no other name in heaven or on earth by which we are saved than the name of Jesus Christ. And we have to remember and we have to live the reality of the power of that name of Jesus Christ. And in fact, the power of naming is is a power that I think is beginning to fade from our consciousness but there's a great power in naming. That is why the Christian church takes a great deal of care in naming, especially for baptism, because the name that is used at baptism is the name that will be known uh, to God from all eternity. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we find power, courage, healing, And in fact, we find our future. So, understanding the Feast of Pentecost as the beginning, we want to understand that following the example of the apostles, we who are faithful and on that journey in our own particular history are working, in a sense, as the apostles and as Jesus did, in word, that is, in preaching, and indeed, in our sacraments and our giving of witness. So think, my friends, as we celebrate this great Feast of Pentecost, of certain gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think one, in which we have to include, is the gift of, of a profound gratitude for what has been accomplished for our sakes and our good and in our future by our Lord Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he offered. Know also the gift of the Holy Spirit to know Jesus Christ present in our lives, in our daily lives, and a gift then of the wisdom to know him more completely. For the presence of Jesus Christ is a gift that must be entered into in its depths. And that, in fact, will only begin here on earth and continue in eternity. The gift of the Holy Spirit is also the gift of the power to apply his message to our lives and to the lives of the world around us and to rejoice in the gift of grace that is given in all historical circumstances. As our history has progressed since the historical presence of Jesus 2,000 years ago, a lot has changed in the circumstances around us. But what has not changed is human nature. That even in very different circumstances historically, that name still must be proclaimed, and still touches all of human life, a human life that calls for a sense of well-being, a sense of meaning, a sense of being esteemed and loved, a sense of being forgiven and restored. And the Holy Spirit grants us the wisdom to spread this message even in very changed historical circumstances. A Baptist preacher once said to me that when I preach, I have two things in either of my hands, one the Bible and the other the newspaper, and how to apply that to the circumstances. But it is still the rich, powerful, and enduring message of Jesus Christ. And the gift of the Holy Spirit offers us courage and persistence, understanding that Christians, as we are on the pilgrimage to our Heavenly Father, live between two realities, so profoundly Christian. One is a sense of humility, that all things depend on the grace of God. We can't do everything, but we can do something, and we pray God to reveal that to us. And between the humility on one side lies hope on the other that in all things, through the power of Christ and in the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have that enduring hope that the victory of Jesus Christ is enduring and we are becoming a part of the power of that victory.